The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome, 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 and thank you for being here as we celebrate five years on Voice America's 7th Wave. I greatly appreciate you listening and following and diving into the archives and the live shows. It's been a wonderful experience on Seventh Wave with a fabulous team. So I thank you as well for making it so beautiful for us to continue to do this each and every week. In addition, I want to invite you to explore the new issue of 1111 Magazine, which is up. There are some beautiful articles from many people, including Panesh Desai, Gabriel Burdenstein, and many others from around the world that are providing their insight and their beauty and their voices. And that is a free gift that I create on a bi-monthly basis. So go to my website or 1111mag.com and you are welcome to peruse that issue as well as all the archive issues that are there. The information is definitely timeless. And last but not least, I received the IPPI Award, the 2014 Award for Mind, Body, Spirit for Conversations with the Universe. So if you haven't read it, take a look. Discover your signs, symbols, and synchronicities and how the world is speaking to you in each and every moment, especially through your challenges and your obstacles. They actually are showing up to guide you on your way and they actually might mean something opposite than you think. In addition, your journey to enlightenment helps you step into courage and out of conformity. It allows you to break through the excuses that you have in your life as you move to a place of childlike wonder and imagination and dreaming, the true creation for the law of attraction. So you might enjoy both of those books. And come see me on The Rebel Road. The last of the 66 shows are in June in Seattle, Washington, Yelm, Washington, and Atlanta, Georgia. You can go to therebelroad.com and find out about all of those. And now to what's really important tonight. I'm very excited to have my guest on because so many dots for me have been connecting. I'm currently working on my next book that is due out in November. And this book happens to be about storytelling, and my book's going to be a lot of my own stories. And he has written other books that also have to do with imperfection, and he's done work with shame and guilt. And there's just so many dots connecting for me right now in, in that the universe does really bring us everything that we need as sign symbols and synchronicity. So today we are going to be talking about experiencing spirituality and finding meaning through storytelling. Why is it that we love stories? Well, we are stories in ourselves, but we do. We love to hear stories, and maybe that's how we actually learn some of the things that we need to learn, but maybe stories are the way that we also gain our own wisdom, our own stories. In fact, the book that I'm speaking of is Experiencing Spirituality, 
Finding Meaning Through Storytelling, and it is by Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum, who are also the authors of the best-selling classic, The Spirituality of Imperfection. And these two books are related, so if you get one, you might as well get the other. They highlight the importance of human experience for spiritual growth, bringing together stories from all ages, cultures, and traditions. Ernest and Catherine explore the classic theme of the spiritual teacher or master showing rather than telling his students how to attain enlightenment. And this is really profound for me because that's what the Rebel Road has been. It has been to be the example to people, to tell the stories on stage as the example of some of the wisdom that I've gained through experience. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Ernest Kurse, who received his Ph.D. in the History of American Civilization from Harvard University. His doctoral dissertation was published as Not God, A History of Alcoholics Anonymous. And since then, he's written Shame and Guilt, and with Catherine Ketchum, again, The Spirituality of Imperfection. He also published articles that have, and has lectured nationally and internationally on subjects related to the academy study of spirituality. Again, the title of the book we're discussing today is Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling. Welcome, Ernest, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you very much, Simran. It's good to be here with you. Well, I love I love the book, and I particularly love the stories because I think I do, just like most people, that is where we get engaged is through the stories because you can talk to people about a lot of things, and intellectually we can think we get those things, but we really don't know them until we have integrated them and we've experienced them. Talk a little bit about why storytelling is so useful in our own growth process, or at least understanding a pathway to go? Well, I sort of backed into this, Simran. As you noted, my doctoral dissertation was a study of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I kept hearing uh, people at meetings talk about the program being spiritual rather than religious. And, of course, one thing that happens at those meetings is people tell their stories. And I'm watching this from, you know, my sophisticated Harvard self-image, wondering how such simple things can, can do this or help people get beyond alcoholism and addiction. And, uh, and it, I don't know, I probably was a, I was a year into my research, I think, before I finally became open-minded enough to realize the tremendous power uh, in that kind of spirituality, a spirituality that that isn't tied up in a neat package or that doesn't have a list of things to do, but uh, is, is uh, an open-ended spirituality. And then the power of story. Uh, but I found that very, very rarely when uh, someone perhaps new to Alcoholics Anonymous talks to an older member and asks a question, you know, how can I do this? The answer is almost always given in the form of a story. A person would tell what what he or she did in a similar situation or what someone else did. And the power of story, as I, I uh, started absorbing it, I also had some friends at the same time, uh, Orthodox rabbis, who introduced me to Hasidic storytelling. And there's such a, such a wisdom in those classic Hasidic stories that simply through the the centuries, the generations, the millennia really, have continued to help people to understand their place in the universe. And uh, I just had to keep turning this over until I finally decided to write about it. 
and I found someone who was interested in something similar in Kathy Ketchum, and we set out, and uh, the result is those books. Well, you start right off in the introduction with something that grabs you, and it is a little snippet of a story. The governor resigned his exalted office and came to the master demanding to be taught. What is it you wish to me to teach you, asked the master. Wisdom was the reply. Ah, my friend, how gladly would I do that were it not for the major obstacle. What? Wisdom cannot be taught. So there's nothing I can learn here? Wisdom can be learned, but it cannot be taught. Talk a little bit about that last statement. Wisdom can be learned, but it cannot be taught. And how, through story, some of that wisdom is learned, but yet... It is in the relating of that story to our own story that the teaching actually takes place. I think I think that wisdom, like sanctity, whatever that is, whatever either of it is, they they cannot be commanded. They are available if we are open to them. And the problem that we get into, and perhaps especially that academics get into, uh, we are so used to commanding things. To being in charge of what we're studying. And uh, I say that because it, it took me probably an extra long time to get, get over that and realize that the, the uh, essence of being able to grow or develop in spirituality or in wisdom is quite simply the openness. It cannot be commanded. We go where where those realities are. And so we, we hang out with wise people. We seek out wise people, as so many people seek you out. And we seek out holy people, those who in any tradition are regarded as somehow holy in some way, and, and people seek them out. And always the, uh, the, only, the only thing that the teacher can say that's another story near that introduction. Someone comes to the teacher and says, you know, teach me. And the teacher's only response is, come see how I live. Mm. There is, it, it can't be taught in a classroom or from an outline. Uh, it, is, it is something that is, is we pass on by living and by truly getting involved in each other's lives. And is it that when it comes to theory or processes, we're really speaking to the mind, but when we go into a story, we are actually being spoken to heart to heart, and that's where true listening takes place? Mm-hmm. I think both are always needed. Uh, the, uh, the heart is, has uh, a very special place in, in the tradition of understanding wisdom and right. There are several pages of the book back back about past the halfway point where I talk about the way this image developed as the special source of experience, the place where experience is appreciated. But the mind is necessary, too. One of the difficulties that people have gotten into, I think, over the ages is to diminish one or the other. To say either that you know, the heart is sufficient, we don't really need mind, or to say mind can do it all, we don't really need heart. I, I think what reality is, the way in which we are made, the, uh, we, we 
hear with our ears, but we also hear with that place in the middle of our chest, that, that third ear that the, the therapist used to refer to, which is really a hearing with the heart. And uh, I, I think it's necessary always to be aware of both. Uh, I think it's too easy to go off the deep end and perhaps to uh, fall into the clutches of some of those who are who are trying more to get rich off of us rather than to teach us or help us when we only focus on one or when people approach us as if only one is necessary uh, to, to understand in a sense of standing under. That takes the mind and the heart together, and that is a kind of, of knowledge and wisdom that are wrapped up in each other that we truly absorb. One without the other, I think, bounces off us. We really need both. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and why is it that it seems the most profound truths, or even if you hear many of the masters or gurus or really deep-thinking teachers, their sentences are always so short, or the answer is always so simple and so quick. Why mm-hmm. is it? that way and 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 why is it that they also are the ones when we kind of cock our heads sideways after hearing the short simplistic answer they go into the story to help us understand better mm-hmm. yes the uh, the ability to take that wisdom and to put it in a short in a short phrase and a short statement is, is really uh, the ability of those who are who are masters of this kind of spirituality, or at least working toward that. There are no, no masters in the sense of they're in charge, but uh, those, who, those who have lived this uh, have, the, have the ability to sum up in a few words. And so often we talk so much. Uh, I, I think that uh, the, one, the one thing especially, there are, there are some long stories in this book, it's interesting that the, I'm pretty sure the best stories are short. The long ones, the long ones come from a different direction. They're trying to do something else, and as, as people read that, they, uh, they they probably will sense what the difference is. But I think the short answer: there is there is no need to dress up the truth when we when we really are in touch with it. We simply lay it out as simply as we can. You have in the book that story is the vehicle of memory and that stories are the triggers of memory, or is it that memory is the trigger of stories? Mm-hmm. Which would you think, Sarah? I would think that the stories help to trigger the memories. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it works both ways. Um, the, uh, the I'm a historian by training, and so this idea of... Uh, how do we know what happened in the past and how well can we trust memories? And in general, uh, just memory doesn't work that well. Uh, what we know is usually conveyed to us by way of story. I, I'm reading in an online course right now on the, on the Greek hero, and therefore reading Homer, and uh, again, which is a delight always, and the the way in which the, the, his rhythmic use of descriptive phrases 
as the story unfolds. I think that uh, the, the the blending of the short and direct, and then but you can't have everything staccato and short and direct. Then there comes something that goes on a little bit longer, and I think that as all all good writers do that, I think that uh, all good teachers do it too. There's uh, there is the nub of a point that is made, but then it is very often illustrated with a story. And I think that idea of illustration is the key here. Well, and so many people now are so caught up in their own old story. Does the, does the memory actually help us then to create a new story of our own? Uh-huh. I think, I think we need our memory. We, we, cannot, we cannot say goodbye to our history. We, we are a product of that story. And the things that happened in that story, which are very often mixed, there might be some, some atrocities performed on us. There might be some, some things that, that we did that we're not especially proud of. But to recognize and accept that uh, these are all part of, of my story, now where do I go from here? Which of these many threads am I going to pick up at this point? And I think that... Uh, the, uh, the, the sense that we have a choice as, as we look at our memory and we look at those stories that, are, that we are part of, and there's always quite a few that are operative at the moment, and we get a choice of which one are we going to pick up and live out now. And I think that that, uh, that choice is very important, but it's very real along with many wonderful stories within the book, it is also filled with some beautiful quotes. Hugh Kerr says, It has been said that all wisdom is plagiarism. Only stupidity is original. According to Ernest Kurt, nothing trumps experience. It's not the aim of this book to teach, persuade, or convince. Rather, he hopes to present to those who are ready realities that their experience might approach. So in experiencing spirituality, he continues to follow what he began in the spirituality of imperfection, telling stories of the spiritually adept, the stories that they told those who sought to follow them, and the stories that were their lives, the stories that may help us answer the most meaningful question of all, how do we be? The title of the book is Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling by Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum also the authors of The Spirituality of Imperfection. You can find out more about this book at experiencingspirituality.com, and you can also connect directly with Ernest Kurtz at ernestkurtz.com. That's E-R-N-E-S-T-K-U-R-T-Z.com. We'll be right back with Ernest Kurtz. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at Simron-Singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. Fitting our experiences into stories helps us be human, for story locates those experiences within memory. And especially when life threatens to overwhelm us, when catastrophe looms and when we seem to lose our way, we find in memory stories a way of exploring the fundamental mysteries. Who are we? Why are we here? How are we to live? This is from the book Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling. With its rich source material in nonlinear format, Experiencing Spirituality allows you to open to any page and explore spirituality through the concepts of awe, wonder, confusion, and forgiveness. Like the spiritual masters in their stories, Kurtz and Ketchum teach through the example of human experience, telling readers, come, follow me, and see how I live. Dr. Kurtz taught American history and the history of religion in America at the University of Georgia and Loyola University in Chicago. From 1978 to 1997, he served on the faculty of Rutgers University Summer School of Alcohol Studies and from 1987 to 1997 at the University of Chicago School of Social Service Administration. He and uh, Catherine Ketchum are also the author of another book entitled the Spirituality of Imperfection, which is related to this one, and so definitely pick up both when you're ordering one of them. Welcome back, uh, Dr. Kurtz. It is, it is really interesting the many stories that you do have in here, and you really can open up the book. Before I started reading it, I actually did that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to the, the first place that I opened up to, and it was actually... Uh, the topic on dark, and so many people are are, are oh, yeah. living in in parts of their lives where they're trying to get out of their shadows, or they're they're dealing with wounds, or we've had dark periods in our lives. And you have quite a few stories uh, that help people to also go this deeply. And then after this, we'll talk a little bit about humor, which actually goes to the opposite end of the spectrum. Speak a little mm-hmm. bit about how the dark stories can support us in our own growth and evolution. Well, the reality is that there is dark, and uh, I, I think too often we're encouraged to deny that, and too often we're encouraged to sort of see sunshine and everything, and I don't think that is realistic. I think that uh, 
that life is a mixed bag, and there are there are experiences of pain. There are experiences of unfairness. We run into times when people do not understand those two stories that we have in dark about funerals, uh, where this, uh, someone was trying to to make it uh, sort of a lighthearted thing, and the Emmettei uh, Etzioni, uh, the, uh, the uh, sociologist, uh, describing his experience of that and how how empty that was. We we need to uh, recognize the dark and to the extent that's possible, embrace it. There's a story that's not in this book uh, about the man who was on a hike and there was a cave. The only shelter that he would have would be in this cave. A storm and rain came up, but he, he didn't want to go into this cave because he wasn't sure what kind of a monster there might be in the cave. But after a while, he was getting soaked with the rain, and he finally figured, I'm just going to go in there, and if I see a monster, I'm going to hug it. And I think that's, uh, that's the best thing we can do. Mm. You have yeah. a section in here that also has to do with forgiveness. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and we have so many places and people and things in our lives that we are to forgive, but we often carry those things around. Lewis Hyde says we forgive once we give up attachment to our wounds. Um, will you speak a little bit about the segment here where you talk about um, potatoes and holding a bag and how that can represent <laughs> forgiveness for someone? I thought that was wonderful. Yes, I was a teacher who did that. He had, he had students... Uh, bring plastic bags to class, sort of ordinary small plastic bags, and, and take potatoes that were peeled. And on each potato, they, they were to write the name of someone who they, who they would not forgive, who they could not forgive. And then they'd put that potato in the bag. And any time anyone treated them in a way that, that they really didn't want to forgive, they again would take another potato and write on it and put it in the bag. But they had to keep the bag with them at all times. In class, they had to have it on the desk next to them. In the car, they had to have it on the seat next to them. If they were now to eat in the restaurant, they had to have it on the seat next to them. If they went to bed, they had to put it in the bed next to them. And I don't know how familiar you are with potatoes, but if you do that for a little while, the potatoes get pretty soggy and pretty smelly and pretty mm. unpleasant. And this the... Uh, the, the point of the exercise is to realize that you know, if I don't forgive, I, my unforgiving, this is what happens. It, it festers and uh, disintegrates. I, I, can't, I can't come up with the right verb, but it, it, uh, it simply becomes something very unpleasant that I really don't want, and therefore I probably shouldn't have started in the first place. This is a, a great metaphor for the price we pay for keeping our pain and heavy negativity. Too often we think of forgiveness as a gift to the other person, and while that's true, it clearly is also a gift for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that one. Yeah, we, first of all, it's a gift to ourselves. Uh, some, there have been some good writers on uh, forgiveness. I, I quote uh, William Miller, I think, among others, but uh, there, are, there are some others, uh, and... Uh, 
the they're, they're books that are easy to read. I think forgiveness is one one topic that uh, is very it's very possible to to get into by reading and perhaps by taking that reading seriously to be helped to forgive because it's not easy. You you have several stories in here that are from the Jewish tradition, and you speak of one in regard to uh, another aspect of, of forgiveness, and where you're you're talking about what forgiveness is not um, in in regard to religions and how how there's a distinction between mercy and forgiveness. Will you share that story? I'm I, I'm not sure I I know which one you're referring to. Can you give me an hour of a hint, Simran? Um, uh, yes, it was the it was the one um, on the day before Yom Kippur. They were talking about the Day of Atonement, and women brought food to the rabbi uh, as to oh, whether yeah. it conformed yeah. and, or not. Uh, and the rabbi was supposed to uh, to announce whether the, they were kashrut, whether the food was kosher or not. And just about all of the food that was that was brought, he pronounced kosher. And one of the assistants at the temple. Came to the rabbi and said, "You know, with the this is a big feast that is coming, Yom Kippur. Aren't, aren't you being a little bit uh, a little bit loose here and and, and you know, pronouncing just about anything that these women bring to be kashrut, to be kosher?" And the rabbi replied, "Well, if I if I pronounce something kosher that is not, I have sinned against God." And I'm young to poor, our sins against God are forgiven. But if I pronounce something not kosher, it really is, I've deprived a woman of the food for her family, and that is a crime against her, and that is not forgiven. Hmm. Hmm. I open to another section, and you talk a lot about humor. And uh, in my own writing, I have talked about humor being the seventh sense, that, it, that probably the most important sense that we have is the sense of humor. Speak about humor in storytelling, and I often think that it is through laughter that we actually integrate and heal as much as we do sometimes through uh, tears and, and other types of releases. Mm-hmm. The, uh, just the physiology of laughter, if we can really get out a good laugh, it, it loosens up the tightness in chest and stomach, and so that is one, just one of the benefits of a real humor to watch, to watch uh, a good comedian. I do not watch many YouTube things, and uh, but what I will watch are uh, little things that I see of uh, perhaps Stephen Colbert, and uh, I I see this small and this the uh, the laughter that some of these late night comedians can provoke in seeing the the incongruity of things. And I think that the uh, humor allows us to not take ourselves too seriously. I think that there's a uh, there's an element in a in story. Stories hold up a mirror. And when we listen to a story, we're we're looking at ourselves in that mirror and coming to see an aspect of ourselves. And in in humor, there's always the the two things that don't belong together. You know, the perfect humor is slapstick. The the pompous Batman slipping down a banana peel is a classic one. Mm -hmm. uh, And there is the... uh, uh, 
the two things that don't belong together are put together. And seeing that and being able to get out a good laugh at it, I think helps us to put up with those times when, when the things that, that we are dealing with don't fit together the way we'd like them to. I think it helps us to see some of the, There are certain times when our only choice is between laughing and crying. And uh, sometimes we do, have to, we do have to weep. We do have to cry. But um, the, there are times when the choice is, is more honest. And, uh, and in most, on most of those occasions, the, the answer is to laugh rather than to cry. You have in the book that Reinhold Niebuhr uh, suggested that humor is, in fact, a prelude to faith, and laughter is the beginning of prayer. And Lamont's vivid observation was that laughter is carbonated holiness. So I, I love both of those. I quotes. love that. Mm-hmm. I really love yes. carbonated holiness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Your other book, The Spirituality of Imperfection, you, you also tie that to this, and within this book you go into a bit of um, of importance of imperfection and failure. Talk about mm-hmm. that and how that relates to our stories and storytelling and, and how that connects us to one another in deeper ways. Mm-hmm. Well, we are imperfect beings, and we, we actually do best if we can acknowledge that. Again, this, this is what I learned as I was studying the Fellowship and Program of Alcoholics Anonymous for my doctorate. Uh, now here are people who get together, and the first thing they say is one of the nastiest things about themselves. They say, my name is so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic. And by that, they're confessing a, a weakness. They cannot drink alcohol in a way that this culture calls normal. There is something wrong with them. And I think one reason why such a spirituality develops among members of that program of uh, if, if our identity is founded in our imperfection instead of this need all the time to pretend that we're perfect or to strive to be perfect or to try to convince others that we're perfect, life gets pretty miserable because we're not. And, and it, just, it just doesn't work. And to see people uh, get together, and they, people at an AA meeting don't, don't talk about drinking. They talk about life, and, and they talk about... Uh, things that are difficult and how to handle them. I was in a meeting not too long ago where a gentleman asked, set out for a topic that his adult son had committed suicide, a 25-year-old. And, you know, this, uh, what is anybody else at that table going to say? Um, they are, this, this is the kind of hard happening that occurs in our lives, and this is one that is especially notable and especially grievous. And simply to be there with, with people who they may, not, they may not have had the same dire experience of a child committing suicide, but they had other things that they did, jobs that they lost, marriages that they destroyed, uh, children who won't talk to them because of the way they treated them when they were growing up. And to be able to talk about those things, to acknowledge acknowledge imperfection is the way in which we grasp what spirituality is available to us. 
In, in your previous book, The Spirituality of Imperfection, a lot of that, uh, the, 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 the subtitle is Storytelling and the Search for Meaning. And I think that the movement from religion to spirituality for a lot of people is because they have this search for meaning. That, mm-hmm. and, and it is because they're trying to transcend perhaps their own story or what they think they did wrong or are ashamed, uh, have, have felt shame for. Uh, this search for meaning as we go through stories, does it give us meaning or does it allow us to actually appreciate the richness of the path that we've walked and not judge it by actually allowing it to be, have acceptance and tolerance instead? I think we find meaning when we stop looking for perfection and we realize that, that what we have is pretty good. Uh, and to... Uh, to discover that really by those stories. Stories are stories are not threatening. You know, you read a textbook or you read even a magazine article and people are telling you what to do or what you should do or they're telling you what somebody else did that was and, and uh that's not what people read. Uh, we we learn by stories. This uh uh you know, the child's tell me a story is something that we really never outgrow. And uh, I think it's a story that some people are looking for even in the television programs that they watch. But the the, uh, discovery of meaning uh, comes when we sort of let go of thinking we know it all, of thinking that we have it all. And so we let go to a story. There's a story... We don't know in general how a story ends. Somebody starts a story, and, and we've got to wait to find out how it ends. Mm. Now, some of the stories I use in that book, some people will be familiar with. Some of them are, are really old chestnuts, but uh, sometimes it's, it's good to come across a story that we know very well in a different setting. At least I hope that works. But the, uh, the uh, ability to see things in the context within the framework of story I think is something that, that does that allows discovering the meaning that's present in it. A great master once said, the shortest distance between a human being and truth is a story. In this long-awaited sequel to the classic, The Spirituality of Imperfection, Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum show how great wisdom stories can enrich and deepen our spiritual lives recounting and interpreting tales from all ages and cultures, as well as many of their own stories. Kurtz and Ketchum shed light on such experiences as awe, wonder, humor, confusion, and forgiveness. In story after story, seekers look to those whose lives reveal a special quality, sometimes called spirituality, and ask the masters what they must do to attain that same quality. The answer is simple. Come, follow me, and see how I live. Experiencing spirituality teaches through the example of human experience. Dr. Ernest Kurtz received his Ph.D. in the history of American civilization from Harvard in 1978. Over the course of his academic career, he has taught American history and the history of religion in America at the University of Georgia and Loyola University of Chicago and has served on the faculty of the Rutgers University Summer School of Alcohol Studies. Catherine Ketchum has been writing nonfiction books for more than 30 years. Her books have been published in 16 foreign languages and have sold 
over 1.5 million copies. The founder and family support coordinator of Trilogy Recovery Community, a grassroots nonprofit organization dedicated to helping youths with alcohol and other drug problems and their families. You can find out more about the book Experiencing Spirituality by going to the website experiencingspirituality.com. We'll be right back with Dr. Ernest Kurt. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at Simron-Singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. Can wisdom be taught? With countless books claiming to outline the path to spiritual enlightenment, it is tempting to believe that wisdom can be attained by following a few simple steps. In actuality, it must be earned through inquiry and experience. In their newest book, Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling, Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum, authors of the best-selling classic, The Spirituality of Imperfection, highlight the importance of human experience for spiritual growth. Bringing together stories from all ages, cultures, and traditions, they explore the classic theme of the spiritual teacher or master showing rather than telling his student how to attain enlightenment. In this book, you can discover how great wisdom stories can enrich your spiritual lives, how being spiritual is more than being not religious, the importance of imperfection and failure, the need to experience rather than intellectualize spirituality. You can find out more about Experiencing Spirituality at experiencingspirituality.com. In addition, you can find out more about Dr. Ernest Kurtz at his website, ErnestKurtz.com. That's E-R-N-E-S-T-K-U-R-T-Z.com. And he has several other books listed on the site, including Not God, Shame and Guilt, The Spirituality of Imperfection, and others. So definitely look that up and see everything that he's doing, including his blog posts and other collections. We're going to go into prayer next. 
An old man would sit motionless for hours on end in church. One day a priest asked him what God talked to him about. God doesn't talk, he just listens, was his reply. Well then, what do you talk to him about? I don't talk either, I just listen. (laughs) I love that, because it's Mm -hmm. one thing we all need to do is listen a little bit more. Talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about prayer and and how we approach it through story and and how we can learn how to pray through story. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, often the treatments of prayer get very complex. And I, Rabbi Mark Gelman, I think, originated this. He said, there are really only four basic prayers. Wow, gimme, thanks, and oops. Mm. Wow is a prayer of praise and wonder at creation. Guinea is a prayer of petition, whether for ourselves or for someone else. Thanks is a prayer of gratitude. And oops is asking for forgiveness. And I like that idea. Sometimes I think, well, let's see now. Um, it's time to pray. And, uh, and, and, and I just stop there. <laughs> And my mind is going too fast or is in some other place. And uh, I, I just come back to this. Uh, you know what? Wow. Gimme. Thanks. And oops. Which one, which one is most appropriate at this moment? And it could be a pair of prayer of petition for someone uh, who I know is sick or who I'm, I'm hoping can be helped to see something that needs to be seen. Uh, the oops, the uh, realization that uh, I made a mistake. I did something I meant well, but it didn't work out well, and I should have known better, and uh, please forgive me. That's, that's the thing. And I think that uh, the idea of living within those four basic prayers, I, I think, is a, it can be the heart of a very real spirituality. That's wonderful. I love that. And prayer really is more about relationship and and not so much about, uh, and you write this in here, the purpose of prayer is to change not God, but the prayer. Mm -hmm. So so talk a little bit about that and how this, the act of prayer actually is an act of relationship. Well, it it depends really on an understanding that that someone has uh, of God. And this is where that that first prayer, that sense of awe and wonder, the realization of the greatness of of God, of the creator of the universe, however however you want to however you want to conceptualize that thing that's ultimately larger than we are and uh, on which our existence in some way depends. And uh, it's a, I think those kind of prayers can be, they can surely be said by people who are agnostic, and I think they can also be said by people who fancy themselves as atheists, uh, talking, talking with such people about wow prayers, uh, that awe and wonder. And I think what... Uh, uh, what happens is, is, is when we pray, we, ch- we, we don't we don't change God in realizing uh, in realizing what what we do. There's a story also, uh, you know, this idea of praying for someone else, and it talks about the Sufi saint who is sitting on his prayer rug, and the halt and the lame go by, 
and he calls out, how is it that a good God can see these sufferings and do nothing about them? Mm. And from the deep, a voice came saying, I did do something about them. I made you. And that, mm. uh, that, that it, it's in prayers like that, I think that we get changed. We get changed. There's a, a lovely story I'm going to read to everyone right now. A master gardener, famous for his skill in climbing and pruning the highest trees, examined his disciple by letting him climb a very high tree. Many people had come to watch. The master gardener stood quietly, carefully following every move, but not interfering with one word. Having pruned the top, the disciple climbed down and was only about ten feet from the ground when the master suddenly yelled, Take care, take care. When the disciple was safely down, an old man asked the master gardener, You did not let out one word when he was aloft in the most dangerous place. Why did you caution him when he was nearly down? Even if he had slipped then, he could not have greatly hurt himself. But isn't it obvious, replied the master gardener, right up at the top he is conscious of the danger and of himself takes care. But near the end, when one begins to feel safe, this is when accidents occur. When we hear stories like that, we do then find ways to relate it back to different events in our own life. And in relating it back to those different events, what, what do you feel takes place within the person in having the memory? Is it a, a nostalgia? Is it a um, confirmation? Is it a reminder of, of how to be? What's actually taking place when we hear stories? I, I think with a, a story like that, um, we, uh, we see an aspect of ourselves that we didn't see before. That's the, that's the main thrust of all story, especially humor, but really of all story. A uh, story allows us to see something about ourselves of which we were previously either totally unaware or not seeing very clearly. And I, I think that story that you mentioned of the master gardener—that you know how often, how often that's true. We can we can handle the big things, but it's the little piddly things that, that get that get in the way. I, I've, again, I've heard people at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings say, you know, you know, my son came home and he'd flunked his courses, and I could I could handle that, and uh, and my wife, I, I found out, has has uh, an illness and. Uh, have to go to the doctor, and I, I can handle that. And then, you know, I think I'm doing fairly well. And I get in the car to drive across town, and I haven't gone two blocks when I'm swearing at every other driver. <laughs> and uh, this, uh, uh, this realization that that everything comes in a context, and to be made aware of the context in stories helps us to be to be more consistent in our spirituality. One day, a rich but miserly Hasid came to a rabbi. The rabbi led him to the window. Look out there, he said, and tell me what you see. People, answered the rich man. Then the rabbi led him to a mirror. What do you see now, he asked. I see myself, answered the Hasid. The rabbi said, behold, in the window there is a glass, and in the mirror there is a glass, but the glass of the mirror is covered with a little silver. And no sooner is a little silver added than you cease to see others and see only yourself. 
you have a section that has all of these words that we um, tend to try to turn away from, things like mm-hmm. greed and avarice, uh, sin, and uh, all of these lusts, these different mm-hmm. things. When, when we look at these types of things and the stories around them, and we also look at the work that you've done in regard to shame and guilt, we, we don't want to know that about ourselves. So in hearing stories of other people or even in Alcoholic Anonymous where people have to repeatedly tell their story or state um, who they are, how is that helpful to us in, in creating new stories in our own lives? Mm-hmm. Well, I think when we tell our stories in a setting where other people also are telling their stories, that, again, is the, the strength of, uh, of what I usually call discussion meetings in Alcoholics Anonymous, where you go around a table and each person sort of tells where, where she or he is that day in some general topic that was tossed out. And uh, in, uh, in, in, hearing, in hearing these stories, uh, we, we see things in, in a perspective. Um, Something that seemed immense may not seem that big, and something that seemed just tiny may may we may realize that it's it's bigger than that after all. And I think that the uh, uh, story story uh, if we know we're being told the story, we we don't analyze, we listen, and that is. Uh, that's a special skill that, that, again, we don't we don't use enough in life. Uh, you, most of the time, we're not listening. We're thinking of what we're going to say the next break in the conversation. And the uh, the ability to listen and and hear what is being said and see how that fits in what I know of my own story. I think that is what bring, brings to a certain kind of completion. Lao Tzu says, The unwanting soul sees what's hidden, and the ever-wanting soul sees only what it wants. Two things, one origin, but different in name, whose identity is mystery, mystery of all mysteries, the door to the hidden. There is a beautiful collection of story and wisdom and quotes that are throughout this book entitled Experiencing Spirituality, Finding Meaning Through Storytelling by Dr. Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum. They are also the authors of The Spirituality of Imperfection, and you can find out more about them at either of these websites, experiencingspirituality.com or ernestkurtz.com. Can wisdom be taught? Well, it can be learned (laughs) it is about you experiencing yourself because we are all here as experiencing experiencing itself thank you dr ketchum dr kurtz for being on and thank dr uh, thank katherine ketchum for also participating in writing this book it's another wonderful one from you both we appreciate it thank you very much for the opportunity absolutely in love of love with love and as love i'm simran singh until next week be well thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. 
Remember, shift happens.